Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the No Name Musicast. My name's Tim, and this is... Joy. And at the very beginning of the episode, I'd just like to thank all of our listeners and new listeners to the podcast. And I see that we have quite an international presence now. And we've got listeners in Canada, France, Chalet, Brazil, and the Philippines. So welcome. I'm glad Yay! you're all... Yay! So I'm glad you're all enjoying the show. And um, this week's episode... It's Joy's turn to pick the topic, and as, as I normally do not know, and I do not know this week either. So, Joy, over to you. All right, Tim, it's an overdue topic. It's Dolly Parton. It's a Dolly episode. It's a Dolly. <laughs> We're moving into the Dollyverse. Yes. So, me and Tim have spoken, I don't know, probably every episode since we started. There's somehow Dolly Parton has made a... We, uh, we've had multiple conversations about Gatlinburg. We always end up talking about Dollywood. So I said, I'm going to do some research on Dolly, which was really fun and mostly included um, me listening to cool um, interviews with her and then her music, because it's a great excuse to listen to music. With that being said, what I have got together is we're going to talk a little bit about Dolly's what they call her rags to riches story. So if mm -hmm. you don't know it, this is going to be interesting. And then I have picked a few things of her songs, um, top Dolly songs and the reason um, that the top 10 kind of Dolly songs. And then the reason why she changed country music um, from what used to be kind of focused on men and how she became Dolly. So we're just going to jump right into it. So um, Tim knows that she grew up very poor. She had mm -hmm. no running electricity, multiple brothers and sisters. They all slept in the same bed. Um, so she is from Locust Ridge, Tennessee. Uh, with there were 12 children, which my father actually had 13 brothers and sisters. Tim, it's a lot. I mean, I mean, I'm an only child and I can't even imagine what it's like having that many brothers and sisters. Well, I'm a twin and then I have an older sister and I have a half brother. Mm -hmm. um, who passed away, but but I grew up with my older sister and my twin sister, and I, yeah, I don't know how fun that would be. I'm just going to tell you the truth. Um, her mother sang and played guitar. I think I don't know if you've heard that, Tim, but that's where she started learning. And like a lot of artists, she started playing music in the church. Regardless of how you feel about the church, that seems to be a pretty popular state to start in in America. Um, people start singing in the church. Um, apparently, she started playing. And performing, and I mean playing guitar and performing a circuit at ten years old. Wow! I mean, that, yeah. I mean that is young. I mean, I started playing guitar when I was thir 12, 13. and I certainly wasn't a um, a standard where I could perform. Yeah, she was performing professionally and appearing on local television and radio shows in Knoxville, Tennessee, at ten years old. I was like, "What? That's just crazy!" And then she started her grand old Opry debut. Three years later. So that means wow. she was only 13 years old the first time she played the Grand Old Opry. I tell you, after three years of playing guitar, where was I playing? The Red Line in Brentford. <laughs> now, now you, now you don't know that venue, and it's now a McDonald's, but <laughs> it's a... Um, <laughs> It was, it was a kind of it's one of those pubs that you would go in. You, 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 you must have been in a pub where you go in and the, the carpet is sticky. Yeah. Or anyway, everything is sticky. Yeah. And it, it was it was a le you know, legendary West London music venue. And, you know, some names would play there. ZZ Top had played there. You know, some 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 people names that you'd recognize would play there. But it was mostly local bands that would play there. 
And um, that's where I was playing three years into my uh, rock and roll career. I was not like Dolly and performing at the Grand Old Opry. <laughs> well, and I think with Dolly, she, one thing I think is interesting, which is probably why at such a young age she was able to do this so well, is everything seems very effortless with her music. The way she sings seems effortless. The way she plays seems effortless. Like, it, and the ear, me and Tim have discussed this from a singing point, and he probably can agree from like producing music and stuff. The ear, like something that's very smooth and there's no drastic changes. Our ears naturally kind of like that sound. Mm-hmm. Her voice just like, it's like, it, she has she doesn't have to work to to anything when it comes to music or at least that's the way it looks like when i'm watching her yeah and also her voice her voice is very pure as well mm-hmm. yeah and it's and that actually makes sense because she probably her voice probably hasn't changed a whole lot since she was a kid because mm-hmm. she does kind of have that almost a little bit of a high pitch kind of childlike sound which sounds very pure so it probably mm-hmm. worked for her and that's the way her music is um, so after that, we, she was on the Porter Wagner show, which is the guy that she actually partially wrote. I will always love you for when she was leaving it. Mm-hmm. And it was because he helped her get her recording contract. Um, it looks like, where was she? Hold on. Let me find out what company it was through. Um, started her singing career in 1967. She was partner with Porter Wagner. They became a popular duo. Um, and then she went to RC records, which is a very famous, uh, recording contract. He helped her to do that. Um, and her number one country hit was in 1971 and the song was called Jack Joshua, which have you ever heard that song, Tim? Is that with Porter Wagner? I think she does a version of it, but I've always heard her sing it by herself. Okay. I, I'm not super, f- I, I mean, I, I'm a I'm a Dolly fan. I know the Dolly hits, mm-hmm. and I've got some Dolly albums. But the, maybe the deep Dolly cuts is something I need to uh, to get involved with. Well, that was her number one, her first number one in 1971. I've only heard it a few times, but it's very kind of bluegrassy. But it sounds like truly it has like a Johnny Cash sound because it's kind of upbeat and it's up tempo and has that kind of guitar sound that he did. Mm-hmm. So I would suggest listening to it. We'll post it when we're done. But that was her first big hit. Followed up shortly by, of course, Jolene. That was yes. the hit that keeps giving. She says she still makes money off of that to this day all the time. Um, and then, which we've all heard, is actually about a real woman who used to work at the bank. Have you heard that story, Tim? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's, there's two there's two things. J- Jolene is the, is the woman who, when she worked in a bank, it was it was inspired by that person that came in. The name Jolene is that when she when she was uh, on the Porter Wagner show, a little girl came in to for, to, for, to sign an autograph or sign an album or something like that. And she mm-hmm. said, "I said, oh, what's your name?" And the little girl said, "My name's Jolene." And she was like, "Oh, that's an unusual name. I really like it." And that's where she used the name for that song. And you know what I wonder? I bet if we looked it up, there was like Jolene was probably a not heard of name. But then there's been like spikes in history because of the notorious of that that song. I'm sure that there's like a huge spike of people who were named Jolene because of that song. Yeah, absolutely. And in, in the same way in the 80s and early 90s, certainly when I was younger, no one was called Kylie. And then after Kylie Minogue came out, there's a lot of people called Kylie. Well, and my name has had joy has had spikes for different reasons. A lot of times people think I assume my name is religious. It's not. Well, I mean, my parents may have had some religious connotations to it, but there's two stories to how I was named Tim. Tim's heard one of these and it's Marvel. It's absolutely ridiculous. 
I'm sorry, mom, if you're listening, it is kind of ridiculous. <laughs> um, well, my dad um, and mom had picked out the name Layla from the song Layla at one point. They were leaning towards that. My father can't spell. So he used to spell my sister's name, oh, Stephanie, wrong all the time. So one of my moms was looking for short names. Makes three letters. Mm-hmm. But dad says he picked it because of the Three Dog Night song. Um, my twin sister's name, Brandy, because of the fine young looking glass song, Brandy, you're a fine girl. But then my mom was watching this show. It's called The Waltons. For those of you who've never seen The Waltons, think country soup, uh, soap opera. Like very soap opery, but it's takes place in the country like and there's a bunch of people and they all live in this house well anyway one of the kids got pregnant and they pet and they they lost the baby but on the episode very dramatically at the very end she's like i would have named it joy and that's where my mom got my name from oh yeah i I think i've heard one of those stories before i think you told me the three dog night story before i i my my name i don't know I think I think my parents wanted to give me options because like Tim can be Tim, Timmy, Timothy. My middle name is Michael, which can be Mike, Mick, Mikey, whatever you want. Yeah, that's but, true. But I, I don't think there's any real history why I'm called Tim. Well, Tim, it works that you go by Tim because then we each have three name, three letters in our name. So when we say joy and tip, it kind of matches. There you um, go. <laughs> so let's go with that. <laughs> Maybe my parents thought, you know, one day he'll be a broadcaster <laughs> with his friend Joy. <laughs> and he needs a three letter name. So Tim came to be. Um and then my middle name's Marie, which is ironic because we have three, we have two other people that work with us named Joy. Um, and all three of them have the middle name Marie. Wow. <laughs> or all three of us have the middle name Marie. Apparently that is the only middle name that goes with Joy. Yeah, all right. There you go. <laughs> so then her next crossover, which is her biggest like crossover hit, because Dolly did like was one of the pioneers in kind of what like Shania and some of those other women have done in country where they cross over from just a country suit star to a pop hit. And it's one of my favorites. Actually, maybe my I don't know. It's hard to say. Maybe my favorite song by Dolly. I'm on the fence to say that out loud. But here you come again. Yeah. I mean, that that, that like you say, that was her first sort of pop country crossover is it from the album of the same name Mm, i don't know but we'll find out let's see i would say so because she's like on the front of it isn't she like it's like dolly wearing this red shirt with the jeans it's her body like yeah i I think that's it that's the one i mean i mean that i mean that is a great that is a great song i mean you know you um i was always love you and and jolene are great songs but i think that's the first one when she when the dolly verse pushed into the mainstream well apparently there's a band in england that has a here oh it thinks i'm asking for here i go again never mind <laughs> <laughs> different i got autocorrected guys <laughs> um album yeah it's the one with the three dollies and it's it's just is it just called dolly it's just called dolly parton is oh, it? Okay. I, think it's, I don't know i think it's just like self-name no i guess it is here you come again she just doesn't have it on the collar but we're right it's the one where she's wearing the red shirt and the blue pants at the very Big blonde hair because it's Dolly. Because yeah, she's Dolly. <laughs> yep. And so that I would say is probably one of my top Dolly songs. She may have had, um, you know, the song Dumb Blonde. I think that was early on in her career, too. Yeah, that's that's more of a country song. I think that's more off the back of her um, leaving Porter Wagner more than sort of late 70s, early 80s pop Dolly. So and. 
So that one was number three across and won her her first Grammy uh, for best vocal country performance from a female. Um, And then she also had It's All Wrong, But It's All Right, Heartbreaker and Starting Over Again, um, a ballad written by she actually did. It's Starting Over Again was written by Donna Summer. I didn't know that. Yeah. Apparently it was written by Donna Summer. I had the most. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't know that that Donna Summer actually was a songwriter. I know that she was um, mostly involved with Giorgio Moroder, Mm -hmm. who who later went on to be interviewed by Daft Punk. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, to be honest, though, I would say I don't think that she because like a lot of songwriters and Dolly herself wrote music for not just her, but like thousands of other artists. Um, I don't think Donna wrote that much because I've never really heard that. No. And and then and, and the um, Donna Summer hasn't really stood the test of time with her legacy because um, <sighs> I know because, because she she became a born again Christian and then she she made said some very unfavorable comments about the LG, LGBT community and her kind of legacy was somewhat sullied by that. So what I have done is I have accepted 1970s Donna Summer and after that she disappeared. That's all we're going to say because I love Donna Summer's music and some of the things she said are just not acceptable in my book. So we're going to pretend like she just fell off the earth when it hit 1980. Bye, Donna. (laughs) (laughs) That's my theory. All right. So then, of course, you've got 9 to 5, the movie, which she wrote the song for and Jane Fonda and Liz Hoblin were both in 9 to 5 with her in the 80s, which brought her back into resurgence. And I'd say what 9 to 5 is probably ranked up there with one of her most famous songs, I would say. I would say, do you, know, do you want to know a interesting no name music house fact about 9 to 5? You probably know this, but 9 to 5 was actually an equality movement before it was a song or a movie. Did you know that? Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, <And that's, laughs> I figured that you probably did. Yeah, that's one that I knew. And then, of course, she starred with one Burt Reynolds in um, the best little, I probably shouldn't say because I don't want us to get taken off the internet in Texas mm-hmm. in 1982. And which introduced, which helped introduce her song, I Will Always Love You. So, spoiler alert, if you didn't know, Dolly wrote, I Will Always Love You. Um, my I mom an, actually I have an interesting her. fact about I Will Always Love You as well. Well, for, that? For, well of that whole thing. So, yeah. so, you said she got famous with Porter Wagner, and then Porter Wagner, she wanted, he. He wanted to keep her because she was so good. But Dolly's career was blooming and she wanted to fly the roost and just be Dolly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she she didn't know how to say goodbye. And Porter Wagner had given her her, her start and everything like that. So um, she wrote I Was Always Love You as a, as a farewell song. So she calls Porter Wagner in and then she plays the song to Porter Wagner and says, sorry, I've got to go. I really have to go. But I'll always love you, Porter Wagner. Anyway, some and Porter Wagner said, oh, Dolly, you know, you're the best and I'll let you go. And I gave you your start. And then he sued her for like two million dollars mm-hmm. for breach of contract. Yep. And then she, for the first number of years of her career, she wasn't really making a lot of money because she had to pay this lawsuit back. And then later on, many, many years later, Porter Wagner, when he was much older, got very, very sick. And um, he was in the hospital and he couldn't afford to pay his medical bills. And Dolly paid his medical bills. It's because she's a saint, literally. Mm -hmm. Um, She is St. Dolly. And she... 
I actually, there's like multiple things of modern day people saying, if I ever say anything bad about country music, just know I'm not talking about Dolly. Parton. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she literally runs a book literacy club. She donates money. Anytime anything happens, she funded half the vaccines in America. Like, I mean, she's a literal saint. Yeah, I mean, that that whole thing about the Moderna vaccine um, fund, she didn't tell anyone that she Mm -hmm. donated however many millions of dollars towards that research fund. And then when the medical paper got published and it was like the Dolly Parton COVID-19 relief research fund and people were like, what? What? And she was just like, yeah, like we they needed the money and we needed to act fast. So I did it. And they tried to put up a statue of her at one point and she refused it. Yeah, she it was, was in the, I think it was in the state, the Capitol building or state building in Tennessee. They wanted to erect a statue. And then she said, she said, I'm not worthy of that. She said, maybe when I'm gone, you might think it's a good idea. But for now, she said, I'm just trying to she said, there's more important things to worry about. Don't do that. Yeah, and that's, I mean, I would, I don't know that I would, would you let them put a statue of you, Tim? I don't think I would either. I would find that weird. No, that's weird. That's that's like North Korea dictator weird <laughs> stuff. Well, and you know what's interesting about that when you say that, that might be why we associate statues kind of, well, first of all, it's very, you know, not humble, <laughs> kind of glorifying yourself. But think about it. When the Berlin Wall came down, you know, it was a big metal constricity. And then in Afghanistan or Iraq, they took down the Saddam Hussein statue. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I think there's been statues of other dictators that when these situations happen there, you always see like images and like pulling them down mm-hmm. in a sense to say they overcame. So in our brains were like, mm, it's probably I probably don't want a statue. It usually doesn't seem to work out for people. No, and and especially like if you have a if you have a big statue of yourself and then birds do their doings on them, that's just oh yeah. Well, because like in North Korea, they have those Kim Jong Il and Kim Jong Un and Kim Jong Sung statues, and then they have people day and night making sure birds don't land on them to do their business, and if they do, they have a crew that come immediately in and polish it. Well, and then there's this other fear that what if they do a horrible job on your statue (laughs) and it looks terrible because you've seen like that one of that Christina, Kristen Ronaldo, the soccer player. Have you seen that one, Tim? I don't know if I've seen that. Oh, God. Me and and soccer don't see eye to eye, so I wouldn't have it wouldn't have entered my um, transom. I don't know much about it, but uh, there was all over the Internet. They did a statue and whoever did it, it's copper. It's absolute. I'll post it when we get off of here. So you'll get a good laugh at it. It's terrible. And I would be scared. That would be my <laughs> <laughs> not only as a dictatorship. <laughs> um, my statue looks terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now we can see as well as Dolly being humble why she does not want the statue of herself in Tennessee. Yeah, I can see that. Okay. So then, um, of course, then we've got her whole duet series, which we've had our duet talk, and we had a long extensive talk of Islands in the Stream, and there's a few other Dolly Kitty songs that are fantastic. Um, And then 1986, Tim, is when she actually opened her um, theme park, Dollywood. So... And Tim, me can both confirm it's still a popular destination to this day, and it's a very fun place. Have you have you you've been to Dollywood, haven't you? Oh, multiple times. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I figured I figured as much. <laughs> I, I've I've been to Dollywood twice, and I'm not super big on roller coasters, 
But it, it, the best part for me is the uh, Chasing Rainbows Museum. When you when you mm-hmm. for, for, for all the for all our fans in England who regularly go to Dollywood because it's only four hours down the road. When you go exactly. into Dollywood, it's on the right hand side, and it's a Dolly Parton museum. And they have all of her Grammys in there. They have her um, coat of many colors. The actual coat that her mother made for her is in there. <laughs> they have all of her stage costumes, and it's just like. All of her stuff is yep. in there. She so she does not ride. Dolly does not ride roller coasters. Um, she says she tends to get motion sickness. Also, she's scared she would lose her wig. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that in many. She because she is the one I absolutely love it. And this is where the difference I think comes in with her than some other people who have you know had these larger than life looks. She owns it 110%. She knows what she looks like. She does it on purpose. She knows it's a persona and it makes it better in a way. Um, I wouldn't care what she looks like because she's Dolly Parton, but I do think it's funny that she kind of holds up to that because she knows. Exactly. Well, it's like her um, the, her famous quote when they say, you know, is your chest real, Dolly? And she goes, she says, yeah, real expensive. <laughs> and that's exactly. like a stand, that, that's a standard dolly response when she's asked that question and if you haven't already heard this and tim i know he's heard it there was a um woman of the night that used to hang out in her neighborhood that she thought was beautiful and she made her look after that person that and she said she also looked towards some drag queens oh, okay well, there you go um, and she said that everybody in the neighborhood, in her local neighborhood, made fun of this woman, made comments about her, but she thought she was beautiful. So I thought that was very sweet. Um, and then, of course, there was the bodyguard, which Whitney performed I Will Always Love You and became, you know, one probably Whitney Houston's biggest hit and probably made a ton of money for Whitney. She, for Whitney. Well, it probably did for her, too, but for Dolly. She said it was the... It, so it was the for 14 weeks, it was set on top of the pop charts, becoming the best selling single of all time. Well, one of them. It was at the time the best selling. Mm-hmm. Um, when Whitney did it, I got all the money for publishing and for writing. And I bought a lot of wigs. <laughs> <laughs> Dolly. That's what she spent her money on. Um, and that kind of brings us up. That's just like the basic history of her. She's done some stuff with Vince Gill, Loretta Lynn, those type artists. She's wrote about a thousand songs for other people. Um, I'd actually say songwriting is probably the way she writes music is what makes her so different from other artists. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, if you guys have not noticed, there's been a huge resurgence in Dolly Parton fans, probably because of the vaccine or something, but she's like one of those people that even modern day people are still listening to everything. So the other thing, now that we've got our basics of Dolly, we're going to talk about is what they list as the top Dolly Parton socks. Um, number 10, we already said it. Why'd you come in here looking like that? Yeah, I, I, as I said, I must um, I must listen to that one. I've, I've got a whole host of Dolly on my computer so I, I must um, I must have a check in with my with my Dolly archive after we wrap this episode. Have you seen the music video to that song? No, I haven't seen it. So it's like it's funny. So it's like there's guys coming in to audition to be part of the music video, and mm-hmm. she's looking for a certain look. And the guys are like talking back and forth to her, um, and the record producers annoyed because none of the guys looked the part or what they wanted. And at one point in time, she says. Hi, I'm something you were really nice. And he's like, Oh my god, Dolly, is that you? And like there's different scenes. And then at the end, she ends up picking the guy who comes out to um, mop the floor. 
No. Well, I, I, I could see that would be the case in real life with Dolly. Yeah, probably. Um, but he was also a very nice looking man. So that was the running joke. Um, and then number nine, they said, was from nine to five. And then the album Odd Jobs. But, you know, I love you. Um, doo, doo, doo. So had been around the block before Dolly recorded this song written by Mike Settle. I don't know who that is from mm-hmm. the Kenny Rogers early group first edition. So that song was written by that person. It was around with um, Kenny and then Dolly re-recorded it. And it became much more popular than when anybody else recorded it. Absolutely. I, I, I've yet to see the film nine to five. I have. It's good. I mean, I hate to say this, but it probably is exactly what you think it is. It's a woman feminist movement with a boss who treats them terribly. And then you've got Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin, um, who are both icons in their own right. And they're just trying to get through the day. And basically they end up telling them where he can shove it. Yeah, because at the end, the, I've seen the video for Nine to Five multiple times, and so like you, you see the premise of the film in, in the video. But the, yeah. hor- the horrible boss is the guy that's in the film War Games. I do know that. Oh yeah. Oh, I knew that, but I didn't even think about it till you said it. <laughs> <laughs> I it, love War Games. So, yeah, that, yeah, I mean that's a, that's a. I mean War Games is a great film. I um, every desktop computer I've ever had since I've had a computer has been called Whopper. W-O-P-R. I remember one time we were in a meeting and Chip was, this is Tim's boss, was in there and I he looked at me and he went, did you just make a War Games reference? And I said, yes, yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, where did that come from? I was like, I watched War Games. <laughs> anyway. Was he was he referencing Professor Falcon or? Um... I don't know. No, I was the one who made the reference. I can't ah. even remember what I said. I just remember I took him off guard because he went, did you just make a War Games reference? And I was like, yes. <laughs> maybe maybe you mentioned your password was Joshua. Maybe that's what it was. Oh, that's what Dolly was singing about, Tim. Duh. That's where Joshua <laughs> the song came from. She invented that and then it was using war games. Got it. There you go. All comes full circle, guys. <laughs> I don't remember what I was saying, but I said something and it threw chip off. Anyway, so number eight <laughs> is it's all it's all wrong, but it's all right. Um, which peaked in her career in 1977. Um, it was a double A side with two doors down. Both songs became hits at the same time. That's one thing about Dolly when I was reading about her. She had multiple hits at the same time. It wasn't just like one song came out and that spiked. It seems like she would put out a lot of songs at once and not just one single. There would be multiple singles that went crazy. I don't know if that was the way she was producing it or if that's just what happened. I think it, I think that's something that they used to do a lot in the old days. Like Elvis would have multiple singles out at once, or the Beatles would have multiple mm. singles out at once. And I don't know if it's a throwback to that. I mean, I don't know whether Dolly at the time was making so much music they just wanted to get it out there, or it's one of those record company things that you just want to keep your act current. So you release a song and you think it's going to have a life expectancy in the charts of a few weeks, so you get the next one out. But, of course, if it's still popular... The, the artist is at number one and at number five and they're at number seven. I, I don't know. And then we come back again to number six is here. You come again, which we've talked about was probably uh, number five, Tim. We're bringing back the duets islands in the stream, Kenny and Dolly. I mean, I got incredibly obsessed with that song about two years ago and I had to listen to it multiple times a day for no explicable reason. I did too, actually. That's weird because there was a time where I think, and I do that a lot. There's a few songs that I've done that with. Um, there's the Eagles, Ho, 
what is the one he's talking about? A hard oh, there was one song with the Eagles that's gonna bug me, and I'm gonna think of it in a minute. Darn it, Stevie Nicks. I did that with <laughs> <laughs> I did that with, and I did that with I've done that with that song, but recently I've been listening to Dolly Parton. I listened to it like three times while I was doing this research. Have you ever heard the song Romeo where she performs with the other um, there's like three other women that are three or four other women that are top country singers. I think like Mary Carpenter is on there. Um, yeah, I, I've, I've heard that. Okay. I love that song. And then um, Billy Ray Cyrus is the male voice in it. Um, and that's kind of probably more of a cross pop over hit. If you've heard it, it's very poppy sounding mm-hmm. and they're doing the back and forth. And then they've got what's really interesting about it though, is Cause she has like all those other female singers that are great singers with her creates a really rich sound because they actually harmonize well together. So I, I recently became obsessed with that song and I've listened to it multiple times in a week. I, the, the, the other thing that I found out about Dolly, well, I was going to say, one song that I got obsessed with, which is sort of related to this, <laughs> is Katy Perry's Waking Up in Vegas. I, I had that on a loop for a period of time. And I don't know, it just it spoke to me and I just couldn't not just listen to it over and over and over again. And it does have Penn and Teller in the video and I like Penn and Teller. But anyway, the, yeah. the way it connects to the Dolly verse is that <laughs> Um, Katy Perry asked Dolly Parton to do the Super Bowl halftime show and Dolly didn't want to do it. I heard that before, but I don't know what her reasoning for not wanting to do it. Well, I, I would imagine because she, I mean, those Super Bowl halftime shows are a lot of work. It's not like if, you know, if Katy Perry said, hey, Dolly, do you want to sing a song at my concert that's in Tennessee that's easy mm-hmm. to get to and you turn up for the sound check and then you do it once and then you perform it and then you move on those Super Bowl shows with all the staging and rehearsals and pre-production meetings and you know you, you when you do the technical run through it's like well actually no you need to be two feet this way and then the light has to be here and then you it's this amount of seconds you move to there it's a whole thing and I would imagine Dolly just you know being seen everything she just probably doesn't feel like she needs to she's no. like I, probably, I don't need to do that um the song was heartache tonight by the way by the eagles it oh, dawned okay. on me yeah, while yeah. you're talking <laughs> sorry but i i went through a two-week period where i listened to that song on repeat i don't know why anyway. well, well, I, well i can tell you that phil has just shouted at his radio so he, he would have <laughs> answered it before you so he knew what my brain was thinking before i was thinking it Duh. there you go <laughs> All right. <laughs> so then we've already talked about number four is Jolene. Um, three, Code of Many Colors. So Tim was talking about this earlier. Um, the song is actually written. Um, it's it's a reference to the Bible story, um, Joseph in the Coat of Many Colors. But her mom sewed her a coat of many colors. It's like patchwork. Um, and it's got multiple little stitches all over it. Um, and that was the coat that she gave. And it kind of indicates her little rags to riches story. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says it obviously has a sentimental place in her heart. And if you want to go to Dollywood and see it, it is there. It yeah, is there. It's, it's in the it's in the Chasing Rainbows Museum. You go up the stairs and it's on for our UK listeners it's on the first floor for our US listeners, the second floor. <laughs> <laughs> so she says it's one of her favorite songs, her personal favorites that she's ever written. Probably because the sentimental value, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. And then she also said when she was when I was watching some of the documentaries, um, our Candy Christmas, which is kind of a reference to the same thing. 
mm-hmm. um, was a personal favorite of hers, too. If you guys have never heard Hard Candy Christmas, I actually have heard it too many times. I'm just going to tell you the truth. Growing up in the South around Christmas. But if you never heard that song, it's a beautiful song about getting literal hard candy for Christmas. So. Well, you know, that in, um, in England, I mean, I'm sure hard, having hard candy for Christmas was a very was a big treat, especially if you grew up poor. Mm-hmm. And like in England, what they used to do in your Christmas stocking is you get an orange because oranges were very hard to come by back in the day. Huh. So do you guys, you guys don't put your stocking, you guys put them on the bed, right? On like the ends of your beds or something? Is yeah, you, you, you put your stocking on the end of the bed and then you go to sleep. And then as if by magic, Father Christmas comes in in the middle of the night and it's full of stuff. Yeah. So we put ours over the you know, the chimney or your mantelpiece in America where everybody hangs their stocking up together. But it's the same premise. By morning time, all your little stocking stuffers are in there. And it's usually like candy and small things that you can fit in a stocking. Exactly. <laughs> we, we, we have um, stockings here and uh, we, put, we put them on the curtain rail. And I think the first year we did that, the curtain rail looked like it was going to come away from the wall. So <laughs> then the next year we decided not to put anything in them and they were just ornamental. <laughs> no, that makes sense. And of course, as we mentioned a million times, they rank number one as I will always love you. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. those are just the ones that you hear in our history that you hear whenever they're talking about her all the time. Tim, is there a Dolly song that people don't hear much about, but you love besides when you went through your phase of listening to Islands in the Stream for three weeks? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the thing about Dolly is... In addition to all of her Dolly songs, she routinely does covers mm-hmm. in concert and on albums as well. And she does a cover of Bon Jovi's Lay Your Hands on Me. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've heard that like once, but it was quite good. Yeah, there's a, there's a video on YouTube of her doing it with Richie Sambora. Huh. Well, she did. What is that festival? Gas- Gassenberry? Gassenberry. Her, um, she performed there a few years back and that concert's on YouTube and it's quite good. Um, and what's interesting is she's once again, I was actually watching a vocal coach who, who analyzes videos. Cause I like to listen to the way he analyzes them. This is like Tim's guitar nerd thing as a vocalist. This is what I do. Um, <laughs> and there's a specific vocalist on YouTube. I like to listen to where he analyzes people singing, um, and tells you, you know, well, this is how they're making that sound. And this is how I would probably train you to do it versus this is what they're doing because he goes into detail about things that affect your vocal cords. Mm -hmm. And one interesting fact for people who are of the British um, viewing group or actually Americans are like this too. Did you know that it's actually vocal coach? So when you're singing, a lot of it is about um, vowel choices. So when you sing a song and the song is door, you, you emphasize the or of it. You don't emphasize the D or the R because those are harsh sounds. You just, in the, uh, the brain will automatically fill in the blanks for you. So people who are British or people who have an accent, like maybe from um, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, wherever, or even like Australia, mm-hmm. you guys have a natural um, vowel sound that comes naturally to you. You don't speak with the harsh tones at the beginning and the end of your um words and so it actually helps people with british um voices to sing 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so he talks a lot about that. But where I'm getting with this, where it relates to Dolly, is Dolly does that too. He talks very, very when she. It's almost like she's just talking to you. It's very much um, soft. Her vowel choices are very soft. And so if you watch the Glastonbury, am I saying that Glastonbury? Glastonbury. How Tim said it, like I was just saying, he enunciated those vowels very well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> A gla- Glastonbury. Glastonbury. Yeah. So she's just like, it's like, it's just, it's completely effortless. There's nothing that sounds like, and she doesn't scream at you kind of like we were talking about Tom Jones. Sorry, Tom. Um, <laughs> you know, does, he, won't come, he won't come on the show now. <laughs> yeah, darn it. But he had already sent me a threatening message last week. It's fine. Guys, he didn't write me. That's a joke. <laughs> but he, um, she speaks, and that's so. That's why her voice is so light. That's how she sings, and it it literally looks like she's just talking to you. Because mm-hmm. and there's no, and she uses. She doesn't have to yell because she's using her head voice, not her chest voice. She's not pulling to try to get to that note and feel it and bring it up, and it works so effortlessly that like the entire time he was analyzing her, he was like, "I don't have anything to say besides it's just really good." Because <laughs> <laughs> she had to. It was like it just comes so naturally to her, which it doesn't for everybody, obviously. And the, and the other thing as well is that Dolly has always always played guitar and somehow, I mean, she does play guitar. It's not like she, it's a prop. She, she does play guitar, but she plays guitars with like these two inch long fake acrylic nails. Oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't know how she does that. I feel like that. In it, oh, God, I hadn't even thought about that. That's true. And she plays guitar very well. I mean, that's yeah. how she writes all of her songs. Yeah, because I mean, you know, I, obviously I play guitar, and I mean, I keep my uh, left hand fingernail super short to, you know, so they don't clack on the strings or anything like that. But I mean, you see, you see Dolly. It's like, how are you doing that, Dolly? <laughs> I hadn't even thought about that, Tim, until you said it. Um, and then she did a movie. Did you ever watch the movie she did last year or the year before called Dumpling that was on Netflix? No, we we had Netflix for a while, and we don't have it anymore. Oh, yeah. You guys said you never watched it. Well, she did a movie and it was based off of a book. There's a lady who wrote a book about a young girl who was obsessed with Dolly Parton. That's the point of the movie. And she even wrote a new song for the movie. It was incredibly good. It was a little, you know, teenager cliche. But she all of it is Dolly's music. Like the opening scene, the girl singing, um, you know, you're dumb blonde as she's driving. And they reference Dolly throughout. And I was I was shook. If you I would actually recommend if you can find that movie, guys, if you have Netflix, go out and watch it. It's a little cliche, but the soundtrack's great. She wrote a lot. of. She was a lot part of the producing team. So I think some of the visuals are hers. Um, And then there's a whole thing about a drag queen section. Like they end up at a drag queen show and they're doing Dolly and they're doing it so well. It's awesome. Um, And then at the end, there's a scene where they're all like dancing and singing and it's dolly's song that she did for that movie and i can't remember what it was it wasn't it wasn't one of her top hits but it was adorable and it was cute and it fed the movie and it has jennifer aniston in it based off a book 10 10 out of 10 would definitely tell you to go watch and then tim listened to her podcast which was voted number one in america for like three years or something oh yeah i I would i would highly recommend even if you're a a casual dolly fan even if you only know one of her songs listen to dolly parton's america i was hooked it came out 
it came it came out like every week for six weeks or eight weeks and literally i couldn't wait for the next episode to come out it is so good and it goes through some of the things that joy was talking about her early history mm-hmm. and then it goes on a little bit more and more detail about um porter wagner and it and it also goes into detail about her, her the theme park dollywood and how she employs thousands of people in um set sevierville county i think it is where mm-hmm. um pigeon forge where dollywood is and i think i think she's the largest employer in pigeon forge she was at one point i don't know if she still is but that was definitely something people talked about her and that was her point in making the amusement park was to employ a very rural area. And not only is Dollywood there, but what our listeners might not know, just if they've never been there, if they never paid attention, she not only did that, but when she did that, it became, it made it a tourist area. So then it built, there's like Ripley's Aquarium and you've got the skyline that you can ride. And then you've got all the Pigeon Forge stuff and the Dixie Stampede. So by putting that there, she made it kind of like a resort area. Mm-hmm. And then she, all these other businesses came in um and so it even brought up the economy for that too so it wasn't just like all those people she employed she basically built that city yeah it's it's, it's, i was was trying to think of something that that would be like pigeon forge gatlinburg for uk listeners has never been there the best thing i can describe it as is like a really good seaside resort but without the sea but with mountains instead yeah i'm makes sense yeah and i said dollywood is a theme park like Alton Towers, I suppose, for, for our UK listeners, but but it's more southern southern themed, and they have shows and they have animals there and thing, things like that. But also, but as Joyce says, they have lots of other cool stuff there too. And do, the whole Dolly Empire is not just Dollywood now. I mean, she has resort hotels. There is um, uh, what do you call it? A swimming. What do they? What's what's the Dolly Dolly themed water park? Splash country or something splash, like that splash county or splash mountain or splash something like that something splash guys that's all yeah. i remember <laughs> but, but i think there's actually two there's two mm-hmm. um, dolly themed water parks there and then there's all shows and and stuff i mean it's, it's a good place to go it's, i mean from where we live it's only about four hours in the car and you're in yeah Pigeon Ford Gatlinburg. And before uh, Dolly got involved, it was a theme park, but it wasn't a terribly good theme park. And it didn't attract a lot of lis- um, listeners. Yeah. <laughs> Visitors, that's the word I'm looking for. Um, but but she really has lifted that area to what it is. And I think it, it was a sense of she wanted to give back to the community because that's where she's from. Her Tennessee mountain home, where she was brought up with all those people living in the same room, is not actually far from where Dollywood is. And in yeah. fact, if you if you ever go to Dollywood, when you come off the, the parkway and you head up to the, the signs where it diverts you off where you're going to park, if you come off to the left, there is a religious themed um, bird park that you pull yeah. off left and then Parrot, cool. Parrot Mountain. And then if you carry on going up that road, it's closed to you can't go up there, but you know, if you're. If you're Dolly, you can. You carry on going and you go in and you go in. And at the top of that mountain, that is where her Tennessee mountain home is located. And one thing about Dolly is, did you know, Tim, I'm reading through this, probably because of all those things we just said on top of her music career. She, as of 2019, when this article was written, she's the highest paid country star in the world. I could believe that. And I think much like um, Jimmy Buffett, Yes, her music career is, has given her a lot of success and, and wealth, mm-hmm. but I think it's her business interests that's probably pushed her up like that. 
that's one thing about her. She's a smart businesswoman and she's never been afraid to try all this stuff. So, I mean, yes, she's the highest paid country music star, but because she's done all that, I think it makes people flock to her and want to find out who she is and her music. It's very, very smart logistically for her. Um, not only does, is it good for the area, but I'm sure she's, she seems to be a pretty savvy businesswoman. And what started looking all this up is apparently she's expanding Dollywood. Um, when I saw a news headline, when I was looking at, when I was thinking about epi- our episode, it was about, she's expanding and adding like three more resorts. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. I mean, the last time I was in Pigeon Forge was probably before all this business kicked off. So it's at least two years ago. Yeah. Well, and even before COVID happened, they had a terrible fire in Tennessee that ravished a lot of the area. Thankfully, um, a lot of the major sites were saved and Dolly didn't. Dolly, of course, donated millions of dollars to like save everybody in Tennessee because, of course, she did. Um (laughs) Yeah, I think I think if you got affected by the fire, Dolly would pay you a thousand dollars a month till you got back on your feet. Yep. And she uh, she was quoted as saying, and I, I understand we live in a universal world and I understand I'm totally willing to help anybody regardless of where they are. But she said, I think that charity starts at home. You have to be able to help your own people before you can help others. And I thought that was a cool quote. Um, and once again, she didn't release the information that she was doing that something came out and told people what she was doing. But she personally kept quiet and did not tell everybody she was doing that. Exactly. And then I think you touched on it earlier as well, her imagination library. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I never knew about this when I lived in England, but it used to be that if you lived in the part of Tennessee she's from, she would send your child a book every month until they were 10 years old or something. And then she expanded it to Tennessee and now she's expanded it to the entire US. You just you sign up with the imagination library and then she will send your child a book every month. And when I was watching her interviews, she said that she loves to read, which makes sense considering she writes music and she, you know, she has to happen. She likes words. Um, and her dad, part of the reason she's doing is her parents weren't literate. They could not read. They could not write. Um, and her dad thought it was funny that she was viewed as the bookworm of the family, even though she might not seem like a bookworm. Um, and so she thought it was very important, especially in that area, for people like to have the opportunities her parents didn't get to have. Um, so that's where it all started. There we go. Well, I think what I think what we need to do is that we need to have a no name music cast excursion to uh, to Dollywood, and then we need to document it in audio form, and then have an episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when I was looking, I was like, we've talked about Dolly. I think she's came up in some form or manner <laughs> in every episode. So I was like, we're just gonna. It's a Dolly time. Um, we might as well. But then we'll leave it at a few little things that I read about her. She was one of obviously she was one of the biggest premier back in the day. Country music was male dominated. It was just a male. You had maybe like what Loretta Lynn, mm-hmm. um, Kitty. What was that lady's name? Kitty Wallace, something like that. Um, yeah. Kitty Wells. That's the name I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. Um, those people. But overall, she was one of the first um, mainstream successful and she did the crossover thing, female artists. So she brought a lot of his, a lot of, not even just for country music, for women across the board. She was a champion long before nine to five. Her first, she said she, um, one of her first songs she produced that never really wasn't really famous in the sixties was just because I'm a woman. So she was doing the whole, she might not call herself a feminist, but she was doing it long before the rest of us were. Um, and then let's see here. I'm trying to see. 
then, oh yeah, dot, nine to five also became an anthem for equal pay. So you were talking about you've never seen the movie, but one mm-hmm. of the big things in the movie was that um, they didn't pay everybody fairly. Men were making more money than women to do the same jobs, which, which she says we're still fighting for this day. So it's ironic that her music talked about these problems back in the day, but we're still seeing that. She brought that up a few times and she says, I don't necessarily call myself a feminist, but I've been doing it for years. So I guess I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the other thing that they talked pretty heavily about was she just came out with a different look than every other female. And in a way it was smart. It created a, you know what I mean? Like that larger than life persona. Mm-hmm. She, she, she marketed herself. Oh yeah. I said, she's a great businesswoman. Not even was she a great businesswoman to open all those um, areas in Gallensburg, but she's also a great businesswoman because she is iconic and you can see Dolly right away. Like she does not look like anyone else. And she presents herself the exact way she wants you to see her. Yes, absolutely. It's absolutely genius. That's why we talk about her so much. It's a very genius move. Um, Anyway, (laughs) now that I've been talking about her, one thing that I wanted to bring up was some of my favorite Dolly songs. So we talked about why'd you come in here looking like that? We talked about Romeo. Obviously I listened to nine to five a million times, like every other human being in the world. Have, um, you, um, have you ever paid much attention to the, to the video? I'm not saying if you've seen the video, have you paid good oh, yeah. attention to the video? Now I I'm, I'm probably going to put this on the Facebook page. But the in the video, there's a bit where they're like, you know, playing the track. They're not really playing the track, but, you know, they're in the mm-hmm. studio and all this kind of stuff there. Um, there's a guy in the video that's got a legal pad and he's just like tapping it like that's the lyrics, even though I think Dolly wrote it. Yeah. And then the drummer and the bass player have got the best mullet mustache combination I've ever seen. Okay, I have seen the video, but that doesn't. I I remembered him tapping the pad because he's literally got his like, like tapping the pad with the pin. But I don't remember the bullet combo. I'm gonna have to. Oh wow, yeah, no, you're gonna have to post it because I'm gonna have to look at it. I've never noticed. (laughs) Um, When Jennifer Lopez did her um, "Ain't Your Mama" song that came out, Tim's probably never heard this, but it's about telling a guy, "I'm not your mom. I'm not gonna do everything for you." There's Mm -hmm. a scene in it where she's like it's a throwback to nine to five and she's like coming through and she's wearing like the big padded outfit that she's wearing like the padded shoulders in the Mm -hmm. 80s and she's walking through like the nine to five job and like she literally gets up on a table and she kicks the notepad off the table but it's totally an ode to nine to five um and i she never says it but it it, it's it definitely is It's, it's, it's a homage and I've never noticed, though, if she had anybody who had mullets or mustaches. In the <laughs> but um, mine were probably we've talked about a few. Um, I liked Heartbreak Express. Old Flames Can't Handle You. Do I Ever Cross Your Mind is a great one. Um, Old Flames, that's like a candle can't hold to you. There's a song that she says that. Those are some of the ones that I think of that never really pop up. But I mean... There's probably a thousand other songs that were famous. I mean, it said at one point she has won. What is it? Nine Grammys, three AMAs, two Oscar nominations and 70, 70, seven, not 70, yeah. <laughs> seven um, Academy Awards. I mean, I mean, that, I mean, that, I mean, that's outstanding because I mean, I mean, she's she's across all mediums, music, film, TV. And she is it in EGOT where you've got the 
Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony, but she has been nominated for a Tony. I didn't look into it. She must have wrote something or something that made it into a Broadway film. Wait, was 9 to 5... Didn't they do a Broadway film of nine to five or a Broadway show of nine to five? They, they did because on the podcast yes, they go into it. the London um, version of it. So I'd assume it was in it was in the um, on Broadway before it hit the West End. So I'm assuming that might be where the Tony came from, but she's she does not because like um, some of the EGOT ones are like I think Whoopi Goldberg's an EGOT. She's got an Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony. Mm-hmm. Um, John Legend's one. He just recently became one for that Joseph Technicolor thing he did. But she has been nominated for the Tony, but she hasn't won. So what I think is we have to figure out how we get her back to Broadway <laughs> <laughs> and get her her Tony because if anybody deserves it, it's probably her. But to be honest, she'd probably be like, I don't care. Yeah, she wouldn't care. (laughs) Well, Tim, was there any songs we didn't bring up or any facts about Dolly we missed that our audience needs to know? Well, there was one um, song that I was very surprised that Dolly covered. And it, it came in, unsurprisingly, it came from a CD I bought in a sec, in a thrift shop, unsurprisingly. <laughs> and I was listening to it because I bought it because it was, it was a reasonably recent Dolly album. When I say reasonably recent, it's in the last 10, 15 years or so. Mm-hmm. And she does a cover of Collective Souls' Shine. Oh, wow. That's was, incredibly random. Yeah. And I was listening to the album and I thought, I know this. And then I put it on again. And I was like, really? She's covering this. Yeah. Well, OK, well, you have to find that, Tim, because I've never heard that. But that just threw me off. Yeah, it's, it's really good. I mean, it's there's there's some elements of the song that sound similar to the original, but it does have the main lead line on it is played with a banjo rather than played with played with a guitar. But mm. and I said, I mean, who? I mean, did Dolly just hear that on the radio and thought, oh, I like that. I might cover that. Now, the one that she covered, yeah, probably knowing her, (laughs) but the one that she covered um, that I liked was Love Will Keep Us Together, like Captain Tennille. Have you ever heard that? She did a version of it. That's pretty cool. I know that. I know the Captain Tennille song. I didn't know that she covered it. She did. She did it on a 1970s TV show. So when you watch it, it's her performing live because, you know, a lot of the old country artists, that's what you get when you look them up on YouTube. But she did a version of Love Will Keep Us Together and her vocals are so cool. Um, She kind of kept the same rhythm. But if you think about it, you know, love, love will keep us. It does have like kind of an upbeat tempo. So you could easily make that sound very kind of country modern. But yeah, there's a version of it that she did. I haven't looked it up in a while. Apparently, she did a version of the Beatles' Help, too. I came across that. I haven't heard it. I can't confirm or deny what it sounds like, but it's there. Another another song that she covered that I really like is Frank Sinatra's I'll Get a Kick Out of You. Have you ever heard that? Not her version. I've heard the song. Yeah, the her version is a lot faster. And what's hmm. cool about it is like the first half of the song is completely instrumental. And then she only comes in at the very end. Huh. Well, now I'm very intrigued. I did know she did a version of She Drives Me Crazy by the fun Young Cannibals. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard that. That's an interesting. It's very uniquely bluegrass. <laughs> <laughs> and then on the on the podcast, she was saying that one thing that she's, you know, Dolly's getting up there in age. She's in her mid 70s, I believe. And no, she and of course, she understands that she's not going to live forever. So what she's doing is she's don't right- you say those words, Tim, she will well, live forever. Dolly, Dolly will. Yes, Dolly will live forever. But, <laughs> but just in case she can't sing because she gets 
150 years old or something. What she's doing is she's she's, <laughs> she's writing a lot of songs. Yeah. And then, and then she is recording them to a click like you you're familiar with, uh, just with very basic instrumentation. And her thought being is that she can stockpile hundreds of songs. So after she's gone, she'll always be relevant because whoever producer or whoever uh, musician can build tracks around Dolly's vocal and she can always release albums because she'll always be out there. That I read that or no, I didn't read it. I watched like her documentary. I watched one with Oprah. I watched one with a few other just famous talk show hosts back in the day. And she said that she said, I've been recording tons and tons of songs. So long after we're not going to say she'll pass away, but long after she can't sing, um, you'll still be hearing Dolly music, which is once again, incredibly business savvy, incredibly smart. That's one thing I think people don't are always what I get from Dolly is, yeah, she's a great artist, but she's a businesswoman. Mm-hmm. Like 110%, she's got her brain and her wits about her and knows what she's doing strategically. And that is why Dolly is the theme of this episode. Everyone out there, if you didn't realize this, I love Dolly Parton. And Do- Dolly Parton <laughs> can do no wrong. There's literally no, if you told me today, Dolly Parton punched a baby, I'd be like, well, baby probably deserved it. What did it say? <laughs> but like, what did the baby say? It probably said something wrong. Maybe the baby needed to be punched. Did you think of that? <laughs> well, I tell you what, Joy, before we go, I have one Dolly themed podcast question for you. Okay. So you said you've been to Dollywood many times. Yes. Do you have a Dollywood related injury story you can share with our uh, with our friends who listen to this podcast? Um, that it wasn't at Dollywood, but it was in Gatlinburg. I got I was on the skyline and I got stung by a bee. And when you're on the skyline, so Gatlinburg, like we said, is kind of like this resort town. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> me and my dad, I was like seven years old. We're sitting, we get up on the little skyline. It's one of those lifts for people out there who don't know what the skyline is that brings you to the top of the mountain, snowboard, mm-hmm. skiing, yada, yada, yada. We were going tubing or, and I think there's some like luge type things and things like that up there. So we were going tubing where you just ride the giant tubes down the mountain. Cause I'm not, I'm not a great, well, I'm not very good at skiing as you would imagine because i don't stand up well but (laughs) (laughs) um so we were going to the top and i'm sitting there and i have my little hands on the bar and the little things because there's two options you can ride that big cable car thing where everybody's in an enclosed area or you can sit on your own little seat me and my dad my dad's very large by the way guys so when i say very large he's six six he's broad i was only like seven so i'm little i'm sitting right beside him and i'm all excited i'm holding the thing in a b i'm seven i don't even know i'm not gonna say seven thousand feet in the air because that's not true 70 (laughs) feet in the air i don't know math and a bee flies into my hand and stings my hand and we're sitting there i'm stuck in the air while my hand starts swelling and they snap a picture of you. And when they snap the picture of me, it's tiny little seven-year-old me beside my big dad in a giant, my hand is swollen. <laughs> and I can't get on my head. Nothing I can do. There's nothing we can put on it. I just had to sit there and keep riding till we got to the top of the mountain. <laughs> so, well, it's not an injury. It was terrible. And I remember like, just being like, what do I do? And my dad's like, you just got to stay here. <laughs> like if you get injured and you're on a skyline going to the top of a mountain, there's nothing you can do until you get to the top of the mountain. <laughs> 
And I was like, what are the chances of a bee being this far? I, I guess I didn't take into perspective how high bees can fly. <laughs> yeah, because they can fly, so they go high up in the air. <laughs> yeah, but do you like, when you're thinking of things like like high up, do you imagine bees or do you think like, I think like birds and <laughs> planes. <laughs> and my, I was like, what are the chances of this bee being up this high, <laughs> landing on this skyline? <laughs> it's stinging me right now. But my parents still have the, well, had the picture in my house. I'm, I don't know if they have it. My house burned down when I was in sophomore year at high school, but they had the picture most of my life. And it's just me sitting there with the giant swollen hand. They had it hanging up for everybody to see. <laughs> And on that classic joy injury story, we will say goodbye for this week. See you later, everyone. Bye. In three, two, one. Hello and welcome, everybody. Well, goodness me. I'm going to start again.